Good morning, church. All right, if you have a copy of God's Word, would you open to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. It is not a surprise, or at least you shouldn't be surprised, that maybe the battle has been intensifying in your life, in your home, in your marriage, with your kids, and in your family. It is no mistake that as we go through different series, that the enemy is going to attack in strategic ways. So I can tell you a lot of stories of how my past few weeks have been, especially in preparation for today, because we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare and here's the call to resist the devil. Do you believe that every time we, we think biblically about the enemy of our soul, every time that we do a little bit deeper dive into thinking about who Satan is, who his minions are, do you believe that he's really excited about him being exposed? Do you think that's a, that's a good thing for the enemy of, of darkness? I believe this. I believe this. That what starts today is not going to end today. Okay? that as we dive into this particular portion of Scripture, we're actually going to be looking at Ephesians 6, and then we are going to finish off with James chapter 4, okay, and get really, really practical. And as we do, can, can we all be in agreement on this? All hell is going to break loose in your life this week. It's guaranteed, okay? The more that we learn of the opposition that we need to have to the enemy, the more that the enemy is going to resist us experiencing any kind of freedom, any kind of breakthrough, any kind of moments where we see what his schemes and his tactics are and that we resist. And so when you are having a cussing match in the car on the way home, you go, preacher told us this was going to happen. When you are prone to get back to drugs, alcohol, and pornography on Monday morning, you're going to say, Preacher told us this was going to happen. When you are tempted in ways with family members and coworkers in ways that you haven't been irritated in a long time, this week you're going to go, I knew this was going to happen. He warned us about this. This is the enemy and I see it and I'm going to resist and I'm going to fight. I'm not going to fall victim. I'm not going to be surprised. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be surprised. We're not surprised. We're not surprised. And so that's your warning. That's your warning. You have been warned okay and so ephesians 6 on page 797 in my bible somebody say who cares i hope you have a copy of god's word open as we look at the battle and we've talked about the battle is a, an unholy trinity of the world of satan and of our own flesh and so a couple weeks ago we looked at the world system right and this week we are going to be looking at satan himself he is the engineer, the operator behind the, the unseen, even though we can see and experience so much. There is so much that we cannot see. And in fact, in many cases, when we don't see it, we're, we're ignorant of it. And God does not want us to be ignorant. So what is spiritual warfare? Can we, can we ask this? Because we want to be asking, are you fighting the right enemy? And are you fighting the right way? Well, we need to understand what spiritual warfare is. So anybody in favor of getting some understanding? Let's get some introduction down. It's the conflict that exists between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. It's what has become known as spiritual warfare. God is sovereign, which means what? He's reigning over all and His creature, uh, creatures, His creation, they've all rebelled. This includes everyone. That is until Jesus intervenes to save. And if you're here today, 
and you are saved, then we become citizens of another kingdom. Could we say it this way? We are rebels to the rebellion. If you are on Team Jesus, you are now a rebel to the rebellion, the widespread darkness and rebellion. We are now saying, no! We're not going to continue going with and going downstream. We're not going to continue to talk like and think like and act like and live for what the rebellion lives for. We're now different. We're now changed and changing. But we need to, we need to know how to fight this battle. And so how are you doing in regards to understanding Satan's schemes? Here's my assumption. Very few of us understand the tactics of the enemy. Therefore, the majority of us live in absolute defeat because we are always surprised and blindsided. We are always prone to fighting the wrong enemy. The vast majority of us. And even when we're taught, then we forget. <laughs> and then we go back to square one and we need to be retaught. We need to not maybe learn some new things. We need to be reminded of some old things so that we can make some headway. Here's what David Paulison, one of my professors for my master's degree, he's now with the Lord and he wrote extensively on spiritual warfare. He said this, we need to know that Satan is not merely a personification of an impersonal force like mother nature. Evil comes in a person, a perverse covenant lord, little l, aiming to command our disloyalty to the true king. The devil, he is purposeful, intelligent. He is a personal agent, an immoral being. He's potent, culpable, and doomed. To react against Jesus is to live in the image of the devil, obeying his desires and loving darkness. Behind the webs of deception spun by the individuals and ideologies, there is a liar that works. Behind the violence and the violation done by evildoers, whether individual or institutional, a murderer works. There's a battle, and the battle is real. And I wonder today, have you walked in experiencing an entire year of losing battle after battle? Have maybe you experienced a lifelong battle? Not of victory, but of defeat. And if you are a Christian, it's not just that it could change. It must change. This must change. And today could be the day that you say, I am not going to live as a victim. I'm not going to be defeated. I'm not going to be surprised and blindsided. I am not going to cooperate and partner with the evil one. Even as I show up and put my butt in a pew at church on a weekly basis, I am not going to live this double life anymore. I am going to be sold out, fully committed to one war victory. That's what I'm doing. And that today could be the day that you would say, I want to win. And I want to be able to tell stories in this coming year of victory after victory, overcoming after overcoming, conqueror. That's who I am. That's what I want to experience this next year more than ever before. Are you with me? I want that. I want those stories. I want to be able to testify that I am now overcoming where I was so once defeated because I know my enemy. I know the tactics. I'm fighting the right enemy and I'm fighting the right way. Ephesians 6 
The Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, he writes six chapters, so this is the last chapter. In chapters 1-3, through three, he just got done walking through all kinds of doctrine and theology about who God is, about who you are, about what salvation is. And then all of a sudden he jumps to chapters 4 through 6. And 4 through 6 is, and this is what it looks like, and this is how to do it. This is how to be a submissive worker under authority at your workplace. This is how to be a godly wife and a godly husband. This is how you are to live life practically because you are now saved. As a Christian, everything changes. All relationships change. And then we get to chapter 6 and he says this. He's like, oh boy. So much that we need to know about this new life in Christ. And he says, finally, somebody say finally, finally, if you are there in Ephesians 6, verse 10, verse 10, we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 18. Finally, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes or the tactics of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And if you're taking notes, write this down. I need to know some things. And one thing I need to know is I need to know the enemy. A little bit, in part, no. Know well, somebody say well, fully, completely know well the enemy. We're talking about Satan, the devil. Okay, We're talking about who is just described here. What was he described as? He's described as authority and cosmic powers over this present darkness, spiritual forces. That's Satan, the evil one, unseen, but so chaotic and so destructive. And what is our job? Our job is to be strong. And how many of us have walked in this morning feeling so weak? And today, the call is to be strong, but it's not try to be stronger. Paul's not like, maybe if you would just work out a little bit, maybe if you would get a little tougher, thicker skin, maybe if you would get all of your life in order so that you can be fully ready, be strong. Actually, the term here, be strong, is passive. It means get strength, not from within, but from without. Not getting strong from what you have, but receive power outside of you. Tap into somebody else's strength. Tap into it. Tap into it. I don't know if you've been doing that, but today could be the day that you would say, I know I don't have it, but I know he does. I know that I'm called to be strong, but I can't do it. I know that this call is for me to be looking outside of myself, and there's only one place to look, and it's up. That I ask God, God, be my strength. Because if God doesn't show up in strength, you're done. Can we, can we just settle that? If you're trying to fight on your own, if you're trying your best and your hardest, you are done for. Be strong in the, in the Lord. You don't have what it takes. You don't have your own supply. Every light bulb knows that it needs some power from somewhere. And Christians are able to walk around and say, well, if I try hard enough and I'm kind of aware that Satan's a bad mamma jamma and that I can kind of flex some muscles and resist, um, I don't know when the last time you tried to provide power, but nothing, nothing. All right, here we go. No, still not turning it on. And nope. Okay, we're done with all the orifices. We're in church. Come on, people, come on. But if 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 I'm going to war truly, I mean, if we're, if we're going to get this on, right? 
if we're going to battle, I don't know about you, but we, we need something outside of ourselves, okay? And so, good thing God's saying to all of his people, plug in, plug in, and guess what happens? I get unplugged, out. I'm plugged in, I'm on, right? I don't know when the last time you thought about, it's not just a one-time thing, but every single day you're like, good morning, God, it's time to what? It's time to plug in, it's time to plug in. God, before I go to bed tonight, because all night long is going to be raging war, and if I'm not going to sleep thinking about you and walking in you, then lights out, right? I need to plug in, plug in. I don't know where you've been. I'll take that out. Guess what? doesn't even mess up my hair. That's right, that's right. There are benefits. Mocketh not. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what kind of life you've been living. If you are a Christian, it's not a given that you have been a victorious Christian, that you are a Christian that has been overcoming, that you have been pushing back the darkness. In fact, the assumption is when you become a believer, there is so much ignorance. You don't know what you don't know. And many of us have stepped into the church or into this walk with Jesus. We had a handful of people getting baptized and they're thinking, Woo! coming out of the water. And then they go, uh-oh, on Monday. Because it's not just going into the waters of baptism and saying, I am identifying with Jesus and His victorious resurrection there is now a drying off and getting armor on and going into battle. And so I would just encourage, for those of us that have been walking with Jesus for a while, if anybody around you has not been walking with Jesus as long as you have, you have an obligation to walk with them, to teach them how to be strong. Not in the world's terms, but in God's exact, precise call as we're talking about right here. The power is not from within. The power is from without. And could we say this? May God's power become your power. May God's power become your power. Because that's not an assumption. That's not an assumption that you're walking in God's power, but it's being offered. The question is, are you taking it? Are you receiving His strength and His power? Or are you going it alone? How would you know that somebody is walking in their own strength and their own power? How would you know? Because we're not judgy, right? But there might be some ways that you would look around and say, I can assume that that person's probably walking in their own powers because they're walking alone. Because God's power comes in community. God's power doesn't just come alone in the prayer closet. God's power comes when the army unites, when the army comes together, when we are there for each other fighting back to back, and when we go astray and we isolate, when we all of a sudden wander, we can have some confidence that that Christian is going it alone in their own strength. They're trying to do it themselves. Somebody say that's a bad plan. It's a really, really bad plan. So you know your enemy. You know your enemy well. And you know the only way to fight an enemy like this, Satan, Beelzebub, the devil, the only way is by power that is not yours. And here's the call. To do what? To put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The only way that you're going to stand is if you put on the whole armor of God. And we're going to get there in a second. But I do want to say this. The, the command to put on armor that is not intuitive and is not natural needs to be taught and it needs to be understood because nobody just stumbles across this. And how do we know that? If you're jotting down any additional verses, I got one for you right here. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 4. 
This is so helpful. Paul to the church in Corinth is like, for though we live in the world, right? Even though we're in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. Do you believe that there's a way that the world wages war? Do you believe that instinctively when you came to Christ, you're kind of like, I know how to fight. I know how to fight my own battles. I grew up knowing how to fight. And Paul would say, you were taught the world's way to fight. And what, it, what does the world's way look like? Does it look like instead of talking to each other, we talk about each other? That instead of going to be peacemakers and reconcile, we create records of wrongs and we become bitter. We fight against each other. Somebody say, that's the world's way. Help me out, help me out. That, that's how the world does it, right? Um, I'm going to return energy for energy. I'm going to get even. I'm going to get back. I'm world's way world's way anybody familiar with the world's way i think we're all well acquainted with how you fight in the world and what does paul say second corinthians he says uh we don't wage war like that we don't do it like that not anymore the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world on the contrary i feel like that deserves a <clears throat> on the contrary on the contrary on the contrary what paul they have divine power to demolish strongholds fortresses that have been built up when you fight God's way all of a sudden things that have been happening for so long and building up and building up it's always been this way and I don't know how to get out and all my family is like this and I don't know any different stronghold fortress castles of worldly evil wickedness generation after generation and they all come tumbling down not by waging war your way not the world's way there's a there's a different way. And it's this. And it's this. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Take up your weapons. Take up your weapons. Verse 13 through 18. Let's check it out. Paul, help us. Help us. If we are to put on the whole armor of God, here we go. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, withstand the evil. How do we do it? Stand firm, he says. Having done all to stand firm. Okay. So what do the weapons provide us? The ability to stand firm. To do what? To stand, to stand firm. To not back down. To not give up. To not quit. Verse 14, stand therefore. Is there an echo in the room? Is there an echo? Stand firm. Stand therefore. Stand, stand, stand. To withstand the devil. Paul, Paul, I'm, I'm trying to understand what you're throwing down. Is anybody smelling what he's stepping in here? Uh, again and again, why is the repetition there? Like, are you getting this? The battle is about standing firm and resisting. The weapons that you're given are to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having fastened on the what? The belt of truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, does it say in some circumstances? All, all, okay. All circumstances, Take up the shield of faith. Man, how often are we going to have to do that? All circumstances with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit is what? Help me out. Help me out. Come on. The Word of God. Verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit. Sometimes. Should we pray just sometimes? Sometimes. All, all times in the Spirit with 
all prayer, man, I wish Paul was clear, right? It's just like, what are you trying to say? I don't get it. I don't get it. The Bible's so confusing. All, 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 all. The battle does not stop. And therefore, the resistance and the fighting and the standing firm and using the weapons never ceases. This is happening all the time. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Help me out with all, all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Paul, so are you saying we should do this once in a while? Is that what you're getting at? Paul, are you saying that this battle happens on occasion? Are you saying that we should fight, resist, that we should stand firm when it gets really, really bad? I hope at this point there is no need for explanation. This is a battle raging, and if you're not fighting all the time, you are losing. And as you take inventory of your life and say, why is my life this way? It might be your fault, not somebody else's. Because God has not been silent. He has told you. He has warned you. He has equipped you. And you say, maybe, uh, maybe later, maybe if it gets real hard. Just in these few verses, does he have your attention? Is God getting our attention here? Isaiah 59 just totally surprised me this week. And I'm thinking to myself, so the whole armor of God is for the church, right? It's for the church. And this is just like a brand new idea that showed up in the New Testament, right? Somebody say wrong. Somebody give me a... Ah! Yeah. Isaiah 59. I've never saw this before. Did you know that pastors learn stuff? What? What? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So as I was reading, I'm going, hey, this shows up in other places of Scripture. Do you know where it shows up? Isaiah 59. And guess what? Next to all of all the armor, all of the components of the armor, I placed an Isaiah reference. You're welcome. That's how much I love you. Okay? I'll do the heavy lifting. Give it all to you. You don't even have to do a whole lot of homework. All right? But do you know what's so awesome? And let's, let's walk through this together. I just want to read this out loud, but hopefully you have Isaiah 59 jotted down. It might be in your notes already. But Isaiah here, here, here's the assessment that God is making. Truth is lacking, and he who departs from evil makes himself pray. What? What? In, in their day, Israel, where'd the truth go? It got lost along the way. Hard of hearing. Stubborn, stiff-necked where truth is lacking, and it was, there at least was a few that grabbed hold of it and said, I'm not going to follow the evil way. What happens to the ones that say, even though there's not a whole lot of truth around, I'm going to grab hold of it. And there were a few. What did that set them up for? Are you, are you seeing this? Those that depart from evil, is that you? I'm not going to participate in this. I'm not going down the same road. I'm not hanging with the same people. I'm not going to keep doing the same stuff. You make yourself pray. Pray. Someone's hunting you when you say no to evil. Can we clarify that that's at least Satan seeking whom he may devour even though when there's so little truth, if you are one of the few that says, I'm not participating in evil, 
And guess what? The Lord saw it. It displeased him that there was no justice. What happens to those that say no to evil? Injustice happens. Who sees it? The Lord does. He sees it all. He saw that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him. It's a little h him. God brings to the one that departs from evil. He brings salvation. His righteousness upheld him. God's doing all of the work. Where, where does this go? Where are we going with this? Next slide. This is where it gets awesome is that we have Isaiah clarifying. Oh, you got to back up. So he put on righteousness as a breastplate. Somebody say, that sounds familiar. Does that sound familiar? That sounds familiar, right? This is God himself. A helmet of salvation is on his, God's head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing. He wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak according to their deeds. So will he repay wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies, to the coastlands he will repay. Where's the first time that we see this armor? Papa is wearing it. Our Heavenly Father is wearing the armor. And He's fighting for those that are seeking to reject evil and depart from it and get away from it. And He sees the injustice. And He sees all that they go through and they suffer for righteousness' sake. And it's God Himself that puts all of the armor on. Fast forward. Now we have Ephesians 6. And He's saying, the same armor that I put on, I'm offering to you. God's armor is being offered to his kids. How awesome is that? So after service, I expect a full dissertation on your stance on the end times, okay? All your eschatology in writing. Thank you. Look forward to it. Look forward to it. Guess what happens when we are able to play, not just dress up, but we are able to engage with the armor that God first wears and He gives to His kids for protection, something pretty cool happens. That we know that this armor is tested. It's battle-tested. And what God wears, and He's giving it to us, we, we have a little bit of confidence that if it worked for Him, it's going to work for us. If He's the one that fights for us and He says, now I want you to stand firm, being fully equipped, get ready, here's my armor and unlike the Saul David I don't need the armor and it doesn't fit anyway God's like this fits you perfectly because you're mine and growing up I don't know if you ever played dress up but do we, do we have a picture we got a picture on occasion it's not unusual at our household for there to be dress up all right so sometimes sometimes um, out of my bedroom comes little people that are dressed up looking like me and acting like me, or at least they try to. Some of the imitations are a little insulting, but probably pretty accurate. And so uh, on occasion, we have mom and dad dress up time. But think about this. It's not just playtime when it's wartime. But God is giving us everything that we need. It's not for some, it's for all. And if you are a daughter of the King, and if you are a son of the king, he's not just saying, figure the battle out. Try harder. Try to be strong, little one. He's saying, take my strength. Take my armor. I have exactly 
what you need. You are not lacking anything at all. I have every piece. And so this message is not a, an exhaustive dissertation on the armor of God, but at least we, we got a few notes for us and we have some Isaiah references connected here, okay? So number one, the belt of truth. You can look that up yourself in Isaiah 11.5. To wear truth is like a belt to live in authenticity before God. Since Satan is a liar, somebody say he's a liar. He can't function in an environment of honesty and integrity. You believe that? And that when we're walking with Him and we're wearing His garb, that there is now a call to honesty and integrity. If, somebody say if, if you're armored up. If you're armored up. How about this? The breastplate of righteousness. You can see in Isaiah 59, 17. Our righteousness is not our own. It's not our own. I don't know if that's news to you. You're not earning it. You're not trying hard to get there. It has been given to you. God imputed, a big fancy word for, he, he dropped it into your bank account. Now you have access to it. It's yours. God imputed Christ's perfect righteousness to us. So when Satan accuses you, you protect your heart with the truth that your righteous standing is in Christ. It's not your performance. It's not how you did that day. Do you know what is such good news? When you put on the breastplate of righteousness, you can, in your worst moments, in your worst moments, hear me, that you can say, I am perfectly righteous in Christ. Yeah, but you like totally messed up right there. And I'm totally righteous right now. Because it's not based on my performance. It's not based up on my hiccup and my trip up. I have been called righteous once and for all. And if I don't put the breastplate breastplate of righteousness on. Do you know what happens? All of a sudden, I messed up this week, therefore I am not worthy to go to church. And shame starts building and pretty soon I don't return people's calls and I don't respond and I distance myself because I had a bad week and then a bad month and then a bad year. And maybe next year will be my year when I get it right so that I can show my face. And guess what? You're in a real church that does not believe in works righteousness. That shame was dealt with on the cross and that on your worst day, you show up to church and say, I am a mess, but I am righteous in Jesus and I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I don't need to work it off and I don't need to try to clean up my life. I don't need to start all over again because I'm righteous in Christ. Unrighteousness acts like an open invitation to Satan and his demonic forces to invade you and to defeat you is that you right now, living in defeat, overwhelmed, put it on. Put it on. Turn your name and say, put it on. Here we go. Number three, the shoes of the gospel of peace. You can check out Isaiah 52, 7. Having your feet sandaled up. Okay, that's a new word. I just made that up. Sandaled up with the readiness for the gospel of peace refers to the gospel that Jesus brings peace vertically and that it leads horizontally that there is peace with God which means there can be peace with other people that means when you sandal up when you strap your shoes on and you go because you've received the gospel you now can make things right with anybody in your life insofar as it's up to you you can live at peace even if they don't want it you want it and people that don't have peace with God those shoes lead you to people that are far from God and you can tell them you can have peace with God. I didn't. 
I do now, and I want to tell you how you can too. The gospel of peace leads you moving forward, proclaiming peace to be experienced by all. Somebody say that's awesome. Received, offered, both. The shoes say go, move. How about this? Number four, the shield of faith. You can check out Isaiah 21.5. So what is faith? It's acting like God's telling the truth, being obedient to every command. Whatever temptations the devil fires at you, you can overcome him by believing God's word and taking him at his word in obedience. It's one thing to hear God's word. It's another thing to do what? To do it, to obey it, to follow through with it. I don't know about you, but it's really easy to come to church regularly and hear more and hear more and hear more. And the question is, are you doing what you know? Are you obeying what you have been taught? Well, here's where the shield of faith comes in. Because every time that you take in, darts are flying. And if the shield is down, you're getting destroyed. Wherever there was confidence that was built up Sunday morning, pretty soon the fires of doubt invades by Sunday night and the rest of your week is questioning everything. Has that been your experience? It has if you are not doing this. If you're not armored up with the shield of faith, if you're not acting in faith and activating what God is teaching you, you have a divine fire extinguisher that is sitting right by your side and you're going down in flames. And it's nobody else's fault. Do you know how to use it? Do you know how to work this? This is the call that we need to help one another to grow in. How about this number five? The helmet of salvation. Check out Isaiah 59, 17. As we think about this helmet, it's to wear the helmet of salvation, meaning make decisions with a biblical mindset. We've said this before. The thing that may transform your life in the greatest way in the short term is every time you have a decision to make, you just ask the simple question, what does God say about that? What does God's Word say about that topic? Hey, honey, do you think we should do that? Pause. I don't know. What does God say? Hey, we're thinking about in the future. Do you think that's a good idea? Let's check with God first, not last. If you want to live with fewer regrets, God first, not God afterwards to bail you out. You lead with a mindset that is guarded from the enemy's lies and whispers of you do you. You follow your heart. You follow your feelings. Do whatever you're led to do. Don't let anybody judge you or tell you that you're wrong. How's that going? Your life is falling apart and your marriage is falling apart and generations are falling apart because our mindset is individual. Everything's personal. I didn't ask God. I don't care what God says. God's not involved in my Monday through Saturday. That's a Sunday thing. That's a family thing. That's a something to do before lunch thing. And your life is going to fall apart if it hasn't already. If the helmet is not on. How about this? Number six, this is the only offensive weapon. You can check out Isaiah 49.2 that the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, this is the spiritual armor where you're able to take not a long sword, not a long sword. Imagine that this is a dagger that close up when attacked, you are able to very 
quickly be able to jab and to be able to defend. Okay, This isn't the long sword charging in on the white horse across the battlefield. Right, We recognize from Paul's challenge already at the start was what? To stand firm, to stand, to resist. Warfare is not about us charging into enemy territory. It's about building a wall of defense and saying, you're not getting past this. We are protecting something so valuable. We are not allowing the enemy into our marriage, into our homes. We are not allowing him into the church. We are not allowing him to have any further activity and disruption. We are pushing back, not charging in. You need a dagger for that. You need a sword. I don't know when the last time that you've picked up your Bible, and if you have dusty Bibles at home, your little dagger in your sheath when you're being attacked every day is useless. Okay, I grew up in a home where we had a big old fat Bible sitting on the table, and never once did I see a single person open it up. How useful was that sword to fight the spiritual warfare that was going on in my home. And I can tell you a lot of stories of the war raging. And guess what was happening to our family? We were all losing because the sword was not unsheathed. It wasn't in use. It wasn't actively being engaged in battle. Is yours. And I know that we can often say, well, I'm not academic and, and I'm not one to study. I'm not a great reader. And the reality is, if you are not reading, you're dying. If you're not reading, you're losing. Battles demand that you become a reader because without reading, why do you think early missionary movement, do you know what they did before they told everybody about Jesus? They taught them how to read so that they could know what the Word says so that they could fight the satanic battles that were encompassing them in every nation on every continent. If we don't know the Word, we're losing. The sword needs to be engaged. How about this? Lastly, and because I didn't want to leave it at six because six just feels just so dirty, right? So demonic. You add a couple more sixes. It just goes nowhere good. You just need seven. Just need a holy number seven. All right, number seven, the battle communication of prayer. I'm not eisegeting. I'm not diving into the Scripture with my own ideas. It's right there in the text of praying right of prayer and prayer is the divine means of putting on the spiritual armor and you can check out isaiah 33 2 but prayer verse 18 what did he say about prayer praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication keep alert with all perseverance making supplication somebody say that's prayer for all the saints what's the emphasis on our prayer in spiritual warfare. I don't want to burst anybody's bubble. The emphasis over and over again in spiritual warfare in regards to prayer is covering the church, fighting on behalf of the church of all the saints. And it's praying to God, not praying to Satan. It's praying to God, asking God for strength and for help to fight the enemy because only God has answers to the problems that we have, that we're facing. Only He's strong enough, and we are not. It's to Him, and it's for us as a whole. So I jotted this down. You keep racing to the raging battle with your Halloween costume armor on. 
losing over and over again. And here's a big question. When will you put on dad's battle-tested gear? When will you begin to win? And I can say this with full confidence. You are going to start winning spiritual battles when you fight the right enemy and you fight the right way. And that does not come natural. And none of us just stumble into this. We need to be taught. We need to be mentored. We need to be discipled along the way. And we need more and more as our church continues to mature and grow. We need people to rise up and say, I will not just fight, but I will teach how to fight. I will not just pray for people. I'm going to grab people and pray with them. So every Tuesday at lunchtime, we're right here praying. Tuesday at 6 p.m. for those that can't make it during the day, right here praying because it's not enough just for us to pray for each other at a distance. We need to be with each other. We need to teach each other how to pray. We need to be in the presence of those praying over us if we are going to be a church that's going to fight and win. On the other hand, if we're going to be a church that is going to lose, anybody interested in that? No, me, me, pick me, pick me. No, no, wrong answer, right? If we are going to be a church that is on the pathway of losing, we are going to choose to think about prayer, think about how we should have prayed, consider how we should have taken that prayer request serious and actually done something with it, how we should have engaged with other people in prayer, how we should have yapped less with all of our answers and shut up and just get on our knees and take people to prayer instead of, here's what I think, here's what I think, here's what I would do if I were you. People don't need our solutions. They need God's solutions. They don't need our power. They need God's power. Are we taking them there? And we have a number of brand new Christians in the house. And do you know what they need? They need older prayer warriors saying, this is how it's done. This is how it's done. Let's do this together. You're not alone. We're fighting this battle Let's do it together. Let's talk less. Let's pray more when we are together. The war is raging. Are we winning? And how about this? Lastly, number three. Somebody say, land the plane. Here we go. Here we go. Stand firm in your worship. In your worship. We're going to worship our way through. If we're going to be on guard, if we are going to push back the enemy, if we're going to defend, if you would turn to James 4, just as we close, we are going to have communion in just a just a minute but i want us to just glance at james chapter 4 if you flip back if you hit revelation you've gone too far james chapter 4 and as you flip there i would just ask where are you distracted vulnerable and tired where is satan gaining ground where in your past have you been conquered and defeated Where's the devil penetrating through the defense again and again? Where are you unguarded? If you don't have a plan, the guarantee is that you're going to continue to experience more and more defeat. And if you're at James 4, how do we stand firm? How do we do this? How do we do this? Verses 7 and 8, I just want to leave you with this. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. How do I do this? Submit yourself. How do I do the spiritual warfare thing where I'm fighting against Satan? Learn to submit. Ladies, submit. Men, submit. Let's learn together what this means to submit to God. 
And gone are the days where you're like, you know what? I don't have a problem submitting to God. I just got a problem with my boss, my pastor, everybody else in authority in my life, the police. You have a God submission problem. It just shows up horizontally in all of your relationship. Your issue is with God. You're defeated in your spiritual life because you refuse to submit to God. Submit to Him. Resist the devil. There it is. It doesn't say take the devil out. Resist him. It doesn't say chase after him. Resist him. Resist the devil and he will, will, will. Help me out. Will. He will. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. This is a promise. He will flee from you. Draw near to God. Submit to God. Draw near to God. And he will. What will God do? He will. He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Wow, there's a lot there, right? If there are three things that I can leave you with, say, what in the world does this look like? How do I fight? How am I supposed to resist the devil? I want this to be as practical as possible. I want this to be cookie jar on the bottom shelf. If you just got saved yesterday, welcome. Here's how you fight, okay? Confess your sin. Confess your sin. What am I excusing? What am I excusing away? What am I covering up? What am I justifying? If I am going to resist the devil, the devil is going to accuse. He's going to attack. He's going to shame. What do I do with the sin that is in my life? I confess it. Satan, before you throw it in my face, I'm already open about it. I'm not hiding it. I'm not justifying it. I'm being honest with God about it. You ain't got nothing. Satan, you ain't got nothing to attack me with because I've already dealt with God about it. I'm honest. I'm saying the same thing that God says. I'm agreeing with God. And therefore, whatever you say, it's already done. It's already covered. It's already dealt with. I confess my sin. How about this number two? Read the Word. Again, simple and clear. How do I resist the devil? Confess your sin. Read the Word. What am I studying? If I don't have a plan, I'm already failing. I'm already defeated. If I don't have an agenda throughout the week, of how I'm going to pick up the sword, it's going to get dusty, and I'm going to get bloody. Less losing, more winning demands more studying of the Word. If you're not reading the Word, I know that you are being defeated. If we sit down one-on-one together, okay, we should do that sometime, and I just say, over the, over the year, 2023, what has been your Bible intake? Well, I just stop. How is Satan absolutely destroying your life and your family? because I know he is, because your Bible's closed, you are defeated. And you can say, I'm a Christian, but you don't look like one. You don't talk like one. You don't value what God values because you don't listen to him. You're defeated. And you're allowing him to defeat others nearby because you're not fighting against him. You're not resisting him. And your whole family is going down because you're not standing up, because your Bible is not being picked up. So where are you at starting this week? Bible's up. Bible's open. I'm going to confess my sin. I'm going to read the Word. And how about this? Pray in faith. Pray in faith. What am I asking? God, could you just help me get through the day? Lame! God, I'm just, I'm just so tired. If you could just give me a little bit of energy to get to noon. Lame! God, I just pray that I would be comfortable. God, I want a little bit more money. God, lame, lame. What are you praying for? 
In faith, are you praying according to Scripture? If you're not praying God's Word, you're probably not praying God's will. If you don't know what He said because you don't read the Bible, your prayers probably reflect that. I don't know what God's Word says, therefore I don't know how to pray because I'm not praying the words that I'm being called to pray with. If you don't have the ammunition, you're shooting blanks. Load up with the Word. Start praying God's way and watch what happens. And this week, here's the guarantee. You are going to be attacked. You are going to be destroyed if you're not ready. The question is, are you going to be ready? Church, are, are we going to be ready for what comes our way? It's not super complicated. It's real simple. But it's so hard to do consistently. I don't know where you're at, but maybe this week would just be baby steps. I'm going to start somewhere. I'm going to call somebody. I'm going to get an accountability partner. I'm going to have somebody call me and check up on me if I'm doing these things. When you begin to press in, get ready for the kickback. Do you believe that when you say, no, Satan, you're not going to have my marriage. You're not going to have my kids. You're not going to have my family. You are not going to control my mind anymore. You're not going to have your way. Do you know what happens next? It gets ugly. It gets messy. It gets really hard. And Satan says, oh, hell, no, and all hell breaks loose in your life and you go, what's happening right now? And instead, on Monday morning, you should be able to say, I knew when I took that first step that resistance was going to come. And because I'm prepared, I'm ready to fight and I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to fight the right enemy and I'm going to fight the right way and I'm not going to do it alone. We're going to do it together. 